It's the end of telehealth as we know it, and I feel fine. An Enforcement Standard from 1987 by O. Scott Muir, M.D. The TLDR, with the end of the COVID-19 public health emergency, which apparently has already ended according to the DEA, there will be no telehealth-only companies anymore as we know them today. For those who remember my first big hit, Cerebral is a company that prescribed a lot of Adderall and doesn't have any physical offices. The DEA is investigating them. The DEA doesn't love it when doctors do things that are not compliant with DEA regulations. It's kind of the DEA's jam in this context to be a total buzzkill. Like the Pale King, but for regulatory matters, in diversion control of narcotics, instead of accounting. The David Foster Wallace-penned posthumous novel, The Pale King, describes the adventures of a character. He named the character David Wallace. David Wallace, the protagonist, goes to work in Peoria, Illinois, for the IRS. The author, David Foster Wallace, took accounting classes in order to write this book. The narrator of this column is O. Scott Muir, who is similarly based on Owen Scott Muir, M.D. DFW and I share a penchant for digging deeply into the banal. Upon hearing some New York City psychiatrist colleagues who had the DEA show up to their offices recently to make sure they were real, our gonzo journalism protagonist, O. Scott Muir, got curious. On August the 4th, he spoke to the DEA field office, diversion control for the D.C. office, and at the New York State Department of Health to representatives from narcotics control. And, dear readers, the dashing character O. Scott Muir will soon introduce you to something very special. The federal laws that circumscribe the bailiwick of a very special federal agency. FTC, eat your heart out. The abridged version of the story, for those in a rush, is the following. If you want to get a medical license in the state of New York, you can. If you also want to be able to practice any kind of medicine that involves controlled substances, you need to have a physical doctor's office. This is true in other states, too. That physical doctor's office cannot be any of the following. 1. A post office box. 2. A virtual mailbox with a local street address. 3. The address of an hourly rental office. 4. The address of a rental office in a co-working space. Or 5. Narnia. The kicker. If you can't get a medical license and DEA number, no credentialing with major payers. It follows that, absent a physical office in every single state for all of your prescribing humans, no more national telehealth-only plays. The DEA needs to be able to come and inspect. They evaluate your office space and, because it's still 1987 where they are from, your records contained therein. If they can't do this, there won't be a new license. It's all click and mortar now, baby. This is an expensive problem for telehealth startups, which assumed they would never, ever have to pay for any yucky office spaces to run their business. Goodbye, capital efficiency. This is why we can't have nice things when I was your age. These regulations are based on an understanding of medical records from before the internet, because they are for all doctors, 
some of whom I know, don't work for telehealth startups. Because despite what it may look like from press releases, the practice of medicine is not yet completely disrupted by VC. Despite all their efforts, it's not been comprehensively reimagined by youthful project manager, yoga teacher, co-founder teams either. The practice of medicine is the province of doctors. A thing about them, they sweat their licenses. <laughs> like, whoa. Those licenses and the medical malpractice policies they also need to practice are the rate-limiting reagent in the admixture of expertise that is modern healthcare. And not for nothing, the last time we relaxed regulations around controlled substance prescribing, well, it went like this. Who needs Ryan Haight when we have White Pinkman? Venture capital can disrupt a lot of things, but the fundamental rules around DEA licensure are not going to go down without a drawn-out fight. Allow me a snarky public service message. <clears throat> Stop burning money on dubious companies that don't take concerns about patient care and liability seriously. <clears throat> Your portfolio will thank me. Triumph, the insult comic agent. I've had a couple of phone calls with the DEA in the course of my career, and I have to tell you, this is a funny cohort. Maybe it's the heady mix of regulatory complexity and the ability to put almost anybody in jail? Can't know for sure, but these agents have a sense of humor that is dark. To paraphrase from my conversation with an unnamed agent, the public health emergency around COVID was the rationale for the ability to prescribe controlled substances by telehealth. So, from our perspective, we haven't noticed bodies piling up outside hospitals anymore. Nobody is walking around in those hazmat bunny suits anymore. This means to us, the public health emergency is over. And that means the rules apply. You need to see the patients in an office in order to have a DEA license. Apparently, some doctors think the rules don't apply to them. We disagree with this point of view, and are thus doing more inspections. Agent Sassy. Brick and mortar is back in a big way for healthcare. It has been said by highly conflicted founder authors, quote, an enormous number of ADHD patients have, instead of waiting for care, been helped and today live a better life thanks to telemedicine. You could perhaps think that healthcare would go back to old working methods when restrictions were lifted. Altogether, the emergence of health tech slash telehealth field spells a significant opportunity for tech companies and healthcare providers alike to reinvent care models that improve access, outcomes, and affordability. But that was written on June 1st, 2022. Sorry, bro. As I've previously addressed, the first-line treatment for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is stimulant medication, and it is borderline unethical to suggest that this is not the case. And because the media won't let us forget, the dangerous stimulant medications are under the purview of the almighty Drug Enforcement Administration. Their federal charter features some fire subsections under CFR 136.03, quote, In carrying out functions under the Act, inspectors are authorized to enter controlled premises and conduct administrative inspections thereof for the purpose of a inspecting, copying, and verifying the correctness of records, reports, or other documents required to be kept under the Act and regulations promulgated under the Act, including but not limited... Dot, dot, dot. B. 
inspecting with reasonable limits and to a reasonable manner all pertinent equipment containing controlled substances, listed chemicals, dot, dot, dot. C. Making a physical inventory of all controlled substances, dot, dot, dot. D. Collecting samples of controlled substances. E. Checking of records and information on the distribution of controlled substances by the regulated person, i.e. has the distribution of controlled substances or listed chemicals increased markedly within the past year, and if so, why? F. All other things therein, including records, files, papers, processes, controls, and facilities appropriate for the verification of records, reports, documents referred to above or otherwise bearing on provision of the act and regulations there under. Or, as my electronic health record EHR startup executive wife likes to say, the DEA mandates that you have an office so that they can come in and check out your paper files like it's 1987. Isn't that when document dropped on vinyl? One might also question if they want to mandate listening to all jangly rock, pop, folk, on tube amplifiers and turntables therein. At least this regulatory strategy would ensure better sonics. It's not like analog health records have a cold following, really. Hyperscalable virtual care is dead. For the general public, when you wonder why there is so much investment in all these virtual care companies, it's because venture capitalists don't think about business investments the way you do. They are imagining a world in which their investment turns into 50 times the amount of money they put in. Not 10 times. Not 5 times. 50 times. This is why, instead of good doctors getting paid lots of money to innovate, it's 26-year-olds who are promising to make those doctors irrelevant with their revolutionary platform solutions. Uber made the same promise. WeWork made the same promise. One very important point. It is not really true for real companies. Really big companies make a lot of money and have to spend a lot of money on physical things and human beings to do stuff. There's no such thing as a huge and perfectly scalable company. The endless pursuit of scalability is at the expense of the realistic pursuit of the sustainably profitable. And so I am excited. I enjoy a little bit of schadenfreude, and I also think a lot of those investments in the endless platforms have been bad. And not bad for making money on exits, but bad for patients and doctors. They prioritize the fantasy of endlessly scalable medical care without having to confront the reality that this is messy, unglamorous, and difficult thing to do. It requires real work, real humans, real bricks, and the real corporeal bodies of human patients. These don't become instantly 100% virtual just because it would be more magically capital efficient. Venture capital investors have gotten addicted to the promise of scalability. It's led them to run away from things that would generate actual value. Now, with the DEA reasserting its ability to meaningfully regulate substance prescribing in healthcare due to its apparent fetish for filing cabinets, we have some hope. The hope that the conceit of investing in healthcare will be easy and wildly profitable without real innovation might finally have a wooden stake stabbed in its heart. Next, you cut its head off and stuff the mouth with holy wafers, because that's what you do to kill vampires. Believe me, I played Dungeons and Dragons. I know what's up when it comes to vampires. They aren't all sexy werewolf alternative dating opportunities. Some of them will suck your blood out till you're dead. 
I'm looking at you, private equity. That's great, it starts with a fundraise. Jeff Bezos and space planes. Tom Lee is not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to customers churn. BC Sutter's own needs, don't miss of your own needs. Speed it up a growth pack, grunt, no strike. The glory starts to clatter with fear of life downsides. Wire in a safer, send the southern figures in a government for higher in a DEA side. Left ear wasn't raising in a hurry with the funders breathing down your neck. Team of team reporters about the Trump validated right size. Look at that low valuation. Uh oh, down round population focus group. I'll do save yourself, serve yourself. So you serve your needs. Mission makes your PL bleed. Learn me with the optimum, the acquisition in the right. The value added, executing market size and bright line. Feeling pretty psyched. It's the end of the terms as we knew them. End of the terms as we knew them. It's the end of the terms as we knew them. And I feel fine